On today's Power Podcast, I'm joined by John DiStasio. He's the president of the Large Public Power Council. It advocates for America's largest public power systems in Washington, D.C. So, John, thanks for joining me. Could you just tell a little bit more about what the Large Public Power Council does and, and what your goals are? Sure. Thanks, Aaron. So the Large Public Power Council was established some 30 years ago. We're all members of the American Public Power Association, and that is the National Trade Association for Public Power Utilities. However, the largest of those utilities, uh, in our case, 27, uh, they are uniquely situated relative to certain policy things. They're they're large uh, infrastructure developers, which means they're significant uh, borrowers and, and debt issuers. And so as larger asset-owning systems are certain policy matters that kind of uniquely affect the larger systems. And those are the things we tend to uh, caucus around. And right now, obviously, we're spending a, a lot of our focus on tax and infrastructure, cybersecurity, uh, environmental regulation, and probably an emerging trend is really the whole area of grid modernization, electrification, and so forth. Yeah, it's a really interesting time to be in the power industry. And and you've got a background where you've worked at some of these uh, large companies. You know, you were with the Sacramento Municipal Utility District as the CEO for several years. How does that factor into what you can do in Washington when you when you go into, for instance, advocate for some specific tax deduction or, or tax break? I think the, the, the biggest thing is um, I've always liked the policy work, but having the experience of running one of these systems actually provides some level of credibility that you've uh, been there and done that. And I can provide real practical examples of how different policy proposals really work on on Main Street and in the communities that we serve. I think many things are, they work in theory, but they don't actually work that way in practice. And so Bringing some of that practical reality to the discussion, I think, has been helpful. I think you mentioned 27 uh, companies that are involved with the Large Public Power Council. Yeah, we've got um, 27 members. We're in 21 states across the country, and collectively we serve about 30 million electric consumers, so fairly significant from Seattle, Washington, to New York City, um, and kind of all points in between other than not a lot of membership in the Midwest, although we do have uh, AMP, which is located in Ohio, and they serve about nine states. Uh, So we have really significant diversity, both geographically, resource mix, politically. It it makes for good discussions, and typically our policy proposals are fairly fairly durable because – we represent all the diversity that's represented in Congress, uh, but yet we still seem to find a way to, to come to some types of compromises that work for everyone. And that's one of the questions I was going to ask is, do all of the same issues that you're looking at, do they affect everybody similarly? Or are there little pockets where this is important to this group and this is important to another group and something else is important to others? Or is it more universal where everybody has the same issues and is fighting for the same things? 
it's only really universal at the top level, I would say. I mean, I think we really, um, one of the things that we always advocate for is, is the federal government considers policy or regulation that they should really try to get focused on outcomes and not have one-size-fits-all mandates because the regional differences are distinct and where people start from, where the resource mix, all of those things make for significant differences on how policy manifests itself in, in different areas. Things, When you think about things like renewable energy or environmental policy in particular, certain regions of the country and some of our members have significant access to uh, renewable resources where others don't and may have to rely on moving away from coal to natural gas to achieve emissions reductions. Or you have the Pacific Northwest that's rich in hydro and already significantly carbon-free. So sometimes it's very difficult to have a, a single set of policies or regulations that don't create unintended consequences regionally. Right. And I know earlier this year you had uh, written a, a blog post about the electric grid and, and the platform for infrastructure modernization. You know, obviously the grid has been around for more than 100 years and it's developed kind of haphazardly along the way, I think. Um, what do you see that needs to be done to make the grid modern and, and suitable for you know, tomorrow and generations to come? I think the biggest thing is is really probably addressing two things. The opportunity of two-way power flow. Uh, obviously, the, the grid was originally more of a central station model with one-way power flow that was really there just to facilitate delivery of electrons. And now we're looking at a much more distributed generation potentially um, and also the fact that two-way power flow provides um, some additional uh, opportunities and, and capabilities for consumers, also some additional uh, uh, complexity. So I think the big thing is is taking advantage of the benefit of digitization and, and having much more of a uh, kind of a communications or a digital network that is on top of the physical network that's the grid uh, to allow a lot more interoperability. And I think a lot of that's already underway. I think the main thing that I was pointing out is uh, it's very hard to do something like that on a top-down basis, given the fact that the grid is designed and operated differently all over the United States. So, I mean, my argument would be you should start with the building block of uh, local distribution grids and, and actually build from the ground up rather than the top down um, in order to modernize the grid in the most um, effective and kind of no regrets fashion, if you will. You mentioned distributed energy, and, and Power actually hosts the Distributed Energy Conference, which is going to be in Denver, Colorado, October 30th to November 1st. Do you see these large public power companies? integrating a lot more distributed energy into their systems? And is it isolated to certain areas like California and on the West Coast, or is it happening all over the country? I, I think the big trend that I'm seeing that's different is it's no longer California and New York or those states that had a significant policy push 
to uh, develop more distributed generation. You're seeing significant development in North Carolina. You're seeing activities, obviously, in Texas. Uh, in the Midwest, we're seeing activities in distributed generation and, and certainly the desert southwest. So I, you know, my sense is that this is no longer, um, it, it's got enough traction that, and it's not all policy supported. The economics warrant that these kind of investments get made all over the country. And, and I'm seeing that as a significant change than maybe just a decade ago. So, Yeah. And you mentioned digitization and how that's playing mm -hmm. into this whole process. And along with that comes cybersecurity concerns. So where do you stand yep. and, and what do you think about cybersecurity and how we can protect these systems? Well, you know, the thing with cybersecurity is I think it's, to me, it's a significant risk management issue. It's it's very difficult, and I know many times Congress would like to be able to say, okay, we've we've solved this, And but unlike many other kind of discrete reliability issues on the grid, cyber is a risk that I think is going to continue to emerge and evolve, and so we need good practices. We need good principles. We also need flexibility. We need significant coordination. I think, obviously, the, the more uh, interoperability and then the more devices that are uh, part of the grid, the, the more surfaces for entry that, that exist. But that said, there's been pretty good advances in the protections of, of uh industrial control systems, and also um, if you look at other sectors where there's a lot more going on now in terms of best practice sharing across the financial sector, across the tech sector, with the electric sector, and all of the uh, federal economy sectors that have cyber risk are really collaborating much more closely. It's not always evident to the public, but there's a lot of work going on um, Significant part of it is focused on recovery. I mean, excuse me, prevention, obviously, but some part of it is also focused on recovery, understanding that it's not a risk that you can say could never happen, and, and we just really will never probably be able to be complacent about that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an ever-evolving uh, field, and I think there's a lot of people working on it and, and looking for solutions. Very interesting. And as far as other things that are happening, other trends, I guess one thing that comes to my mind is how electric vehicles seem to be coming more and more. Um, uh, the adoption level is going up, I would say. So how do you see yeah. that affecting the large public power companies and, and the grid in general? What do you think is going to happen with that? I, I'm actually bullish on it. I think it's a great thing. I mean, obviously... We sell electricity, so being an electric fuel provider is a good thing. At the same time, loads are diminishing for other reasons, whether it's um, great advances in energy efficiency and or uh, self-generation distributed energy. Electrification of not just um, light-duty vehicles and transportation, but a whole number of end uses, uh, and then at the same time, cleaning up the, the power supply mix I think gives us a significant opportunity to both support economic development through new technologies, but also support environmental outcomes in terms of reducing uh, carbon and improving air quality. So 
I see it as, as all good. And I think that most, if not all of our members have some level of activity and programs uh, focused on supporting electrification. Well, I think I've uh, exhausted my list of questions for you. So is there anything else that you'd like to touch on before we wrap this up? I, I just think that the main thing is, is that um, we like to pride ourselves in being honest brokers and we're reflective of, of kind of consumer interests and directly accountable to consumers. So I think the LPPC has, has found a good seat at the table with policymakers and regulators because um, we really do bring kind of a unique, diverse consumer perspective, and, and we're, we're proud of that fact and will continue to do so. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, and uh, I wish you guys all the luck in, in Washington and hope you can get through whatever policies are going to be beneficial for your uh, customers. Sounds great. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Thanks, John.